Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit us at fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Greg Friedman and Cynthia Greenfield from Private Ocean Wealth Management. Some of you may recognize the name Greg Friedman, but can't quite place it. Greg was the CEO of the well-known industry CRM Genexure for many years. Recently, Financial Planning awarded Greg the magazine's inaugural Visionary Leader Award. The magazine said, for guiding private ocean through the transition to a virtual organization in the early days of the pandemic. Quite an honor for Greg's firm. In today's podcast, we're going to spend a little time talking about how his team managed through the pandemic, but we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how his firm is preparing for the future. Because it's not a one and out here with COVID. It's COVID and planning for the next thing that will disrupt life as normal. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Spread the word. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. Yeah, Thank we're you. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, it's great to have you on the call today, Greg. Greg, you're the founder and chief executive at Private Ocean. Uh, and in recent weeks, you, uh, you received the Financial Planning Award, uh, well, the magazine's inaugural Visionary Leader Award for guiding the firm through the transition to a virtual organization in the early days of the pandemic. So congratulations. That's an awesome, that's an awesome honor to, which, uh, to be awarded. Yeah, that actually, I don't think that was actually my award. And I really appreciate you, you uh, saying it's my award. I think actually Private Ocean as a team uh, ah. definitely, definitely won that award. Uh, so I, 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 I played a part but uh, definitely took the team. Yeah, I think, you know, it, uh, it, 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 uh, it always takes, seems to take a village. Uh, but uh, it always takes a village to get that stuff done. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, certainly a great honor from financial planning for the entire firm to get. Um, Cynthia, you're also on the call. You're the firm's chief experience officer. Uh, you were responsible for developing all those strategies uh, to deliver on the firm's mission. So I imagine you played an integral role in helping the firm communicate with the 1,500 clients as the pandemic started. Yeah, absolutely. And um, probably our, our biggest initiative was to get in touch with all of our clients and being on the same page internally. So we were communicating a consistent message. And that message being that Private Ocean is open for business. We're not skipping a beat. We're here for you. Um, and we're easily able to communicate with you and take care of any you know problems or needs that you have. Um, one of We've actually been preparing for this in the past. So we have all of our systems are cloud-based. We actually operate off of a VDI, which is a virtual desktop, right. which means right. that um, our employees can be anywhere and work and work securely. Um, and so working from home wasn't a big disruption for us. And we've even tested it 
as you can imagine, being in Northern California, we've had fires and power so outages. Yeah. So this that that was our test run, and this was our you know this that was dress rehearsal, and this is the show, and this I think is- we're doing okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, the other day I was uh, speaking with Jamie Hopkins, who works at the Carson Group, and we both shared a laugh about we did a, we did a podcast at the early days of the pandemic. Uh, it was black, uh, late April and March, and. You know, we both said, ah, we'll be at this maybe a week, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then we'll be back at work. But boy, that certainly hasn't been the case. So, Greg, I've got to I've got to throw a couple of questions at you, though, because I've got this sinking feeling that this scenario will get played out sometime again in our future uh, where people will be uh, it'll be it'll be a pandemic. Like you said, gosh, you guys got fires up there. But, um, you know, uh, uh, certainly, certainly, I think this has been a wake up call that um that the the importance of understanding how business can be interrupted and your plans are important to have in place. So I, I wanted to throw the first question out to you, but Cynthia, feel free to jump in. Uh, but you know, if you can recall back to uh, March and April, the early days of the pandemic, what was your what was your thought process? Yeah, uh, my thought process was, uh, well, we had about two days notice, if you remember, like in our county, and I guess it depends on where people are in the country. But for us, it was, I think, on a Friday, they said, Tuesday night is your last, like, starting Wednesday, (laughs) right? I just remember there was literally like three or four days of, hey, take your stuff home, because you know, you have like two days to, to figure this out. Uh, so my thought process was, okay, um, as Cynthia pointed out, we were pretty well set up for that immediate, you know, because of fires and power outages, okay, everybody go home, we can, we can operate. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I was thinking almost from the start was their initial plan was, for three weeks, right? So they said, okay, right. the shelter in place, we need three weeks to get us to flatten the curve. Do you all remember that? Oh, yeah. So we're going to flatten the curve in three weeks. And I just remembered right out of the gate uh, being really skeptical about that because I'm not normally a skeptical person, but I kept thinking to myself, okay, I think they're saying three weeks so that everybody doesn't completely lose their you know, marbles. But uh, just understanding a little bit about medicine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my wife's a nurse. My grandfather was a doctor, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking it just doesn't. So I literally from the start, I was telling people, uh, you know, don't settle at home for if your monitors aren't big enough or, I mean, I knew like our fir- our entire first and second week was addressing issues for longer term. Like I was saying, if your chair isn't comfortable, I'm getting you a chair. If your desk setup isn't right, if your internet's not fast enough, then then um, you know we need to look into that. All that kind of stuff. So that was my thought process, and it was also kind of damage control, right? It wasn't a chance to think a lot. It was more react and get it done to to enable us to serve our clients. Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. When you said. Um... Was that a uh, was that the the county came through and said uh, we're going to shelter in place so the businesses are closed? Well, what they said, yeah, they said basically, you know, you have two days, but starting Wednesday morning or Tuesday night midnight or whatever it was, unless you're an essential business. Now, ironically, we're actually considered an essential business, but for health reasons, I mean, the reality is 
we didn't, I didn't want my staff, honestly. I didn't, as a company, I didn't want anybody feeling like they had to come in. Um, and, you know, right, I, I wanted them to do sure. the best for them themselves. Sure. So we shut the office. We said, no, everybody needs to work out of their house and, and let's do this. Yeah, I know. I know. Even with uh, with FMG, as it's as it started, as it got underway, there was concern about sick time and all that stuff. So, yeah, employees, their minds wander, and uh, but you know, the decisive actions I think really, really help people kind of get the seriousness of it. Uh, what what did you you know as as you sent everybody home, as you kind of had this uh, sneaking intuition that uh, it was going to be a longer term. What uh, when did you kind of come to that notion that okay, this, I'm going to need a longer term plan that we should plan on staying home? Well, gosh, until well, everybody's still there. Well, ironically, um, and and I would actually. You know, my memory might be a little suspect. So, uh, Cynthia, if this isn't exactly as you recall it, please, please speak up. But coming in, like literally going home, I was saying it's not three weeks, it's months, right? I don't know how many months, but let's be prepared for that. Within three weeks, certainly to a month, I was saying it's going to be this year, like long before anybody was thinking, right? They were still going, oh, but by June or whatever. And I'm like, no. You know, this is going to be 2020, right? We're we're talking January, probably, right? And I was thinking that probably within a couple months, and I was communicating that to the company. I think, do you, Cynthia? Yeah, <laughs> you recall yeah. it that way. I do remember that. Yeah, definitely. And I and I think one of our actually one of the bigger challenges. You know, we, we keep talking about how well prepared we were, but where we really needed to fine tune was probably how we communicate with each other. Um, and that's within the office to make things, everything streamlined. So um, that has taken some effort and we've done a lot to open those lines of communication. So everybody feels like you can pop in the office next door, although popping in the office is Zooming your, you know, your coworker at any point in time. And, sure. not, to t- and not to take your job, but I would love to to have Cynthia address. This is something I feel really good about. We had a really strong, we have a really strong culture. And one of the biggest problems that we encountered early on is that, and I'm, I've talked to a lot of colleagues and everybody's struggling with this. You've got these environments where people are very collegial, their friends are there. And then we're all we're all sheltering in place or we're all working out of our houses and everybody's lonely. They're, they're having social you know, there's a whole amount of social uh, interaction is way down. So one thing I feel really good about, and the jury's out, and we'll see how it all pays off in the long run, but we are really making a ton of effort to recreate or perpetuate, or I don't know what the right descriptor is, but how do you hold on to the mojo when you used to be able to have, you know, lunchroom chats and go down the hall and ask people and all that. And also just uh, that camaraderie and all that. And the thing that I would I'd love to have Cynthia talk about, because I think it's it's amazing. And she's behind all of it, if not, <laughs> you know, the vast majority of it, is all the various things we're doing on a, on a so that there's just this constant flow of activity to try to uh, address that, right? So, Cynthia, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's Cynthia. Yeah. Your, your chief experience officer. Um, right. 
that that counts for uh, what I'm hearing Greg say is that counts for the people at the company as well as your clients and prospects. Yeah, absolutely. And in today's world, you know, they're equally as important. Um, one of the things that we've tried to do, uh, we do, you know, like many people, we're doing Zoom cocktail parties, which brings everybody together. Um, we actually are bringing in a, and I can say this because I don't think this is going to be published, Greg, because it's happening tomorrow. We're bringing in a mentalist. We're inviting people to come in. So something to entertain people. We've done uh -huh. trivia nights. Um, we have several Zoom challenges. We've done a fitness challenge. Um, we actually, a couple weeks ago, we facilitated our um, mid-year retreat, which was really interesting because that's a big bonding time for Private Ocean employees where we come together. We even fly in people from other, other locations. We meet together for one day and we get a lot accomplished um, as well as it's a social time for people to connect. So we had to recreate that uh, and doing that virtually was a challenge, but you know, with Zoom, we created breakout rooms. Um, we sent people Grubhub to have a meal, you know, on private ocean. We did a we lot of them. Yeah, well, I was just going to add, and this is this is the useful stuff for people listening to this, if they want to, you know, take some ideas. We did gifts. We sent gifts out in advance with instructions, do not open. And then we all opened them collectively at the same time. And, you know, just stuff like that. And it was really, I just, I, I really want to credit Cynthia because she actually led all of this, helped work with our leadership team to put it all together in terms of content and what we did. And, and basically, uh, the way I described it is, after four months or three months or 17 years or however long we've been stuck in our house, it brought some of the mojo back. Like, literally, people came out. We did, we did three hours over two days because you can't sit on Zoom for eight hours. You want to kill yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and at the end of it, you know, we did a survey and all that. And, and what I would say, hands down, was that people got a real shot in the arm. And that's really what we were going for. And, and that's, that's Cynthia. So that was awesome. Well, that's good to hear. I think the, uh, so um, if you had to make your playbook, if this happens again, that would be, would you start those up quicker, Cynthia? Or would you kind of keep the, how would, how would you do the pacing of it? If, if you had to write the uh, SOP for another company, what would you do? Yeah, so I would, um, I would definitely do all of those again. Um, some things I would do sooner now that I know, you know, what the opportunities are. Mm -hmm. um, really uh, creating more, what, what the feedback that we get, and we do survey our employees quite a bit to, to hear what's working, what's not working, what do you miss, what do you want the working world to look like after this? You know, what do you want to keep? What do you want to get rid of? And um, what I'm hearing repeatedly is that people really want to be together. They want, and they don't want to be together as 50 people on a Zoom meeting, because that's pretty impersonal. They want to be in smaller groups. They want to interact. So probably to recreate those conditions. Where, oh, tell them about your coffee breaks. Yeah. So we have, um, I've set up coffee breaks. You know, I used to love walking in the office and seeing Dana, who is our front office person. So I would walk into the office. I'd love to see Dana. And she's someone that actually in my work and day-to-day -day life, besides passing her desk and saying hello and checking in, I really don't work very closely with her. And I miss that. And yet, and there are a lot of people like that in the office. So we set up these small three or four people coffee breaks 
where people get together in the morning first thing for 30 minutes and there's no set agenda. It's just chit chat. I put out a table topic just in case somebody you know, needs some inspiration to start a conversation. But otherwise, it's really just an opportunity for people to say hello, see how they're doing, check in and not just be a face of many on a big screen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the uh, I think, um, you know, as I talk to firms and individual uh, companies, what they're doing, it has been a real learning process. And and companies like Zoom and the other and other companies have uh, like like Grubhub, you mentioned, have really kind of evolved their services to help companies like this. Uh, the um, the other day, uh, the, the my department had a pizza party. And everybody ordered their own pizza and it came from like seven or eight different pizza makers, but everybody got theirs at the same time from across the country. And I, as I, as I looked at that, I said, boy, that, that, that service didn't exist a year ago. Nobody ever thought it was needed, uh, but these days, uh, creativity is needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So, Cynthia, I wanted to add, let's, I want to flip over and kind of go back to the early days of the pandemic, because I think the, um, like I said, I, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say, I, I think we're going to go through this, no, uh, in my lifetime now, I think we'll go through it a couple, two or three more times. I, I can't think that uh, COVID-19 is it. Um, when you, when you went, uh, when everyone started to move away and started to go off and you had to come up with the plan for connecting with each client's. How did you prioritize? How did you put that whole game plan together? Yeah, so um, it's funny. I, I when I hear that question, I think of you know how did we prioritize our clients? And and the reality is, Mike, that everybody was a priority, and mm-hmm. it was it was a call to to action from everybody at the company to step up and step in and really reach out to our clients and make sure that they knew that we were here you know, people's money is important to them. They want to know that they have access to it. They want to know um, that we're there if they have a question or, or you know, need some kind of action done on their accounts. So we made a very consorted effort of reaching out to every individual to make sure they knew that we were up, we were working, and we were here for them. And we would do that by personally, you know, the advisors would personally call their clients. We would do that by email communication, Zoom, and just general, you know, we have email blasts that go out to the to all of our clients, which sure. is about 1,500. So, yeah, so we, we made a big consorted effort, and it didn't happen overnight, um, but I feel like we did it very quickly and efficiently. Gotcha. Now, how has uh, how have the how have the reps done? How have the advisors done with uh, prospecting now that the uh, uh, that they've kind of had to shift their business to virtual? Is are they are they finding the same environment helpful? Are they finding that their communication has given them an advantage over competitors? Maybe that aren't communicating quite as well. Yeah. I- Yes, absolutely. And this is actually another time when, when we go through these kind of crises, it act, people look closely at their, uh, you know, at their financial situation and they want to see how we handle these circumstances. And we're handling it well. And for firms that are maybe struggling in how they are keeping in touch and servicing their clients, people are looking elsewhere. So you mentioned how is business development going? There's a great opportunity for us here. And I feel like our advisors are really stepping up and noticing um, where they can reach out and make a difference and, and get some new clients. 
Yeah, we did a podcast, uh, I want to say two, four weeks ago, where um, a rep was saying that he was using FMT's tools to communicate quite a bit and kind of stepped up his communication. And he was able to um, make contact with people who, who, who worked with an advisor, but they felt their advisor wasn't communicating enough. And uh, I, I think uh, what you're underscoring really, Cynthia, is the importance of really reaching out and over communicating at this point. Yes. And we even noticed that people are opening our email communication at a higher rate than ever. Actually, all of our communication at a higher rate than ever, which tell you, tells you that eyeballs are on the screens. Right, right. Yeah, I had one uh, one rep tell me, he, you know, he used to be able to call people and leave voicemails. Uh, not anymore. People pick up the phone because uh, yeah. they're at home. Um, <laughs> It's a whole different environment. Uh, so he, he was seen, yeah. saying the importance of having a uh, having an, a he before he would make calls, he would create agendas for the call because he knew rather than rather than leave uh, voicemails, he was more than likely get uh, people on the phone. Right. Um, now, Cynthia, you guys have hosted a lot of live events with Zoom. How do you do that? And do you, how do you make those events special for everyone? Kind of give me a give me a give me a bird's eye view. You know what? It, hey, Cynthia, ahead, give, sure. give him, you know, give him the example of what we did with my son, because, <laughs> because I, I mean, the other events yeah. are pretty standard. Yeah, but that was kind of unique. That was very unique, and and just just kind of an overview. This has actually opened up a whole new world for us, Mike, because instead of being able to cater to a small group, which is like is what we usually like to do, a kind of an intimate, exclusive event, this has created the opportunity for us to invite. You know, people from our multiple locations, people who don't live close to one of our offices, um, as well as prospects or um, COIs who we partner with. So our attendance for something that would maybe be, you know, 50 people, we had an event with Greg Vallier, which is an education event that we offered uh, that had over 500 people in attendance, which oh is which is a, a, a great number for us because we love to, you know, get that content out to as many people as possible. It was a short commute. It was a short commute. <laughs> but as Greg said, I, I, I also want to tell you that we're not just offering um, educational, financially based events. We, um, we've gotten creative. And one way that we've gotten creative is we've invited people to, um, we invited them to an evening of music that was hosted by professional musicians, one being Greg's son, who uh, is a um, clarinetist uh, and graduate from the San Francisco Conservatory. And we had a great response from that. People want to turn off COVID. They want to sit down and listen to some enjoyable music. We call so, it pandemic relief. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're actually looking to create more things like that. And even having a... Um, a guest chef give a virtual cooking demonstration. So um, trying to think outside the box and let people, you know, be entertained and not sure. feel like they're being, um, not creating more, perpetuating the fear. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, I, I got a chuckle the other day when uh, FINRA gave some guidance on how a firm can provide catering services to customers during uh, during webinar calls. Is mm -hmm. it, it were are when do your reps do anything like that as they set up a call? Will they will they cater the event for the customer, or is that something your firm is concerned with, or did you kind of look at it like I did and said, "Huh, that's interesting." Of well, all our, the things they could, yeah, worry no, about. our 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 individual advisors aren't doing individual events. Now I say that 
I say that, but I need to qualify that. So, so Cynthia and Angela are marketing person and, and I am involved and we sort of sit around and conspire about, I'll call it firm level events. And we invite all kinds of people. The same thing at the same time, our advisors can meet with Cynthia and Angela and they can talk about, well, what might be fun? So we've got, uh, you know, one of our advisors put together a woman's, you know, focusing on women's, uh, you know, issues and, and like a group of, of women only discussion, financial, you know, they market it, whatever. Um, so they do, we do those kinds of things also. Uh, those are more individualized and, and that kind of thing. But we haven't really, uh, you know, delivered. Uh, they don't cost anything. We Well, they cost gotcha. our time and energy. Right, and, sure. Uh, but we're not actually like, uh, you know, delivering food or anything sure. like that. Gotcha. Yeah. And Mike, just to add to that, um, a lot of our events are recorded and Uh, we find that people may not be able to attend them live and would like to watch them in the future. So we want to make sure that it's that it's uh, um, something that they can watch and feel, you know, just as engaged as if they as if they were attending it as a live event. Sure. Got it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, I think uh, I've certainly read, read a lot about, I'm sure you guys have seen it in the trade pubs, I'm sure the listeners have uh, seen it too, is that this pandemic has created the perfect environment for uh, RIAs, for broker dealers to uh, adapt new technologies because it, uh, um, you know, if, if a firm was behind on its technology adoption, then they had this great opportunity to say, we're going to move to electronic forms because we now have this um, this reason that everyone needs to stay home. Uh, Greg, looking hearing what you said early on in the, uh, the podcast about um, uh, how you had moved to a cloud-based and done uh, quite a bit of, of work in that direction, uh, is there, has, has, since the pandemic has broken out, have you, have you adopted any new technologies and do you have your eyes on any new ones in the future? <laughs> uh, the short answer is yes. And that could be a whole nother podcast. Sure. Right? Um, I would say for the purposes of this podcast, yeah, we have a whole lot going on technologically. I mean, uh, for those that know uh, both Cynthia and I, but uh, I'm the founder of uh, you know, Juncture, a CRM, and sold that company a couple of years ago. Uh, right. Cynthia was very active in that company too. So technology is kind of where we live. Um, so yes, we're, we're not only adopting new things, but we're also looking ahead at new things. You know, one of the things I'll just, I'll just throw out that is particularly interesting to me is, um, you know, both of us are scouring the planet on and following kind of the latest and what's coming around, uh, a collaboration software because when you think about it, uh, firms, you know this 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 is going to be a while. <laughs> I'll just say that again. This is going to be this way of life. Even is I mean I I kind of think that uh, for for just for grins, I'll just tell you my view. My view a year or two down the road is probably a third of private ocean will still be remote because they want to and they've tasted it and they've experienced it and we know how to do it and you know some percentage is gonna you know they, they just lopped off an hour and a half commute they locked off uh parking you know it depends on where they are and all that kind of stuff and um 
So our ability to collaborate and, and uh, I call it mojo, but create the mojo um, is going to be at a premium. Sure. And, um, and so I, I think that there's, uh, and technology is at the core of it. I think right. that absolutely can be a big contributor to that. So. Well, that was my that was my next question. What does the firm look like uh, in August 2021? And uh, you think it looks... Uh, comparable to today or more people no, back in the office? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think, um, so I'm optimistic about vaccines and stuff. Again, my wife's a nurse, so she follows this like crazy. I think, you know, I think that in August of 2021, definitely we'll have the ability for people to be in the offices and things like that. However, I think that the whole work from home or some flexibility around that today I'm at home tomorrow I'm in the office mm-hmm. is going to be some percentage of the company, you know, much higher than it ever was. Right. And, and, you know, that, and, and so I've even been giving thought to, okay, so there's so the challenge that I'm trying to solve in my head in a world that looks like that is how do you, um, how do you help career development and the things that happen for people by being around those with more experience, right? Yeah. So yeah. when you think of associate advisors, well, I'll just, you know, I'll pick on me. My career, I can point to people and times that I basically said, I want to be like that guy or I want those results or what's, you know, there was something about something that somebody was doing that had a lot more experience than I did that I was able to watch. I was able to talk to them about, I was able to write that whole mentoring and, 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 and frankly, creating your own vision for yourself. Like, Oh, I want to be like, you know, that's look, look what they're doing. How do you recreate that when you're sitting at home? Right. And you're doing the work. So anyways, I've been thinking about how to, how to create that in a, in a, I haven't, I don't have the answers yet. Talk to me in a year. Gotcha. Or six months on All right. I'll well, you. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's valuable because, you know, you know, the old Nike commercial, right? Be like Mike. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. And you, <laughs> you do have your people that you want to emulate. And if you're out of the office, um, you know, it, it certainly makes it harder. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, so we're coming up on the end of the podcast, uh, but uh, I wanted to end the podcast with a little bit of, uh, Greg, with a little bit of your fortune telling, kind of go into the future. Uh, you're one of the uh, members of, uh, of the firm's uh, investment advisory group, so I wanted to get your outlook for the equity markets and uh, kind of a, a short-term, long-term. Well, let me pull out my crystal ball. Okay. Um, so... This is going to be horribly disappointing to people that time markets. So I've been in the business just to just to substantiate. I've been in the business for thirty-two years. I don't know, long time. I'm actually shockingly old. And I used to actually think, and my background's economics, so uh-huh. right. So so far so good. And I used to be really arrogant enough to think that I could predict a lot of these things. So one of the things that age and wisdom starts to beat on you is, um, anyhow, all that to say that we don't even make those kind of calls. Here's what I think. I think that, you know, of course, markets, I, I'm fully aware of what's going on. I have, you know, we as an investment committee, there's there's nine of us or something, so it's I'm not alone. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of concerns about what's happening. We have a lot of concerns about the debt. We have a lot of concerns about, you know, how long uh, we're going to be sort of sheltered and, and all that kind of stuff. With all that said, if I had clairvoyance about how that was all going to play out in the markets, I'd be borrowing and hedging, and not <laughs> right? So, so with that said, it doesn't mean we just sit by. What we do is, you know, we're, you know, on fixed income, we're we're high quality, but our allocation to fixed income isn't changing, right? And on equities, we tilt towards value and we tilt towards small, but we're in everything, right? We're globally diversified and all that. And we, you know, we have four models that are very financial planning driven. So which model somebody's in is very much related to what are their planning goals, right? Sure, Where are they trying right. to go? You know, somebody who's 80 shouldn't be in the same model as somebody who's 40 who's saving for retirement. So anyways, my point is, those allocations and those models haven't changed. What we learned in 2008 and 9, right? So a lot of comparison, different but the same, different but the same. Sure. Different but the same. Uh, what we learned in 2008 and 9, uh, we aggressively rebalanced and tax loss harvested through 2008 and 9. We got into 2010 11, the markets recovered, all that. We all remember that. I literally, we had two PhDs, one of them's retired since, but I said to them, okay, you have a year. I want you to take whatever you need. And, you know, one of them was teaching at San Jose State Investments, graduate school, all this kind of stuff, hire some interns, do whatever. But I want you to come back with me and tell me what could we have done differently going into that what would we have had to know what what would be a better strategy than what we experienced right i mean clients it was tough sure and and you know rebalancing and tax loss harvesting it was less tough than if we did nothing but it felt like there had to be something better right like tell me tell me what now we've learned from that that we can apply and you know what they came back with after a year they went through every single different possibility that we could have done and all of them required foresight meaning perfect foresight to the extent that had you done any of them and you were wrong you suffer the cost of doing them so things like let's layer in options and let's do these things and do that thing well those have costs to them sure so that's fine but the question is you know if you did that and you were wrong then what did you lose and all that kind of stuff all that to say my perfect forecast is stormy weather stormy weather i say that when times are good i say that when times are bad i say that when times are sideways because guess what it's always stormy weather sure so so where people should be investing is a highly personable you know what is your plan what is your capacity for risk what is your financial needs long term and do you have adequate reserves to go through these kind of periods right we always make sure people have that and and to allow markets to play themselves out over time because right now the big question as you know is why are the markets where they are like why are they so high oh my gosh right i mean this makes no sense we're in a global you know slow whatever right 
I don't know about you, but that's the question. Oh, no, I, no, exactly. I think, you know, you get to, and, and people, their inputs are, um, you know, it's a V-shaped, the market looks like a V-shaped recovery, but the economy doesn't look like that. That's so. exactly right. And that's there's a, and, you know, and they're watching every day, 10 plus percent unemployment and, you know, massive debt and all these kinds of things. Well, you know, that the, and then now, of course, the big speculation is, well, what's going to happen when the Fed slows down, right? They're just writing blank checks and doing oh, all that. Oh, sure, kind of yeah. So, the, so uh, we all know this, right? I mean, those of us in the business, we understand this and we know this. What, what information does for us is it makes us feel like we can then draw conclusions. And what age is doing for me at 40 if you'd asked me that question i would have given you a very specific answer and i would have had about a 10 percent chance of being right <laughs> at, 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 at careening towards 60 i'm here to tell you that i have opinions about that but i don't make bets about that because i've learned you know 30 years of bruising yes <laughs> you know of, of of being wrong when you just are so sure right you're just like it can't happen Sure. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the uh, um, uh, certainly it's that old maxim about uh, an individual based on their goals, their time horizon and the risk tolerance. Um, yeah. Because well, I apologize for the long winded answer, but the real value in that answer is I don't have a I have opinions, but I don't have a clue that's useful for advisors other than don't make bets. You make sure you diversify. Make sure their portfolios fit their circumstances, or or then you're just gambling. Right. Big, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and make sure people understand risk. Um, you know, risk is one thing when the market's going up. It's another when uh, it drops precipitously, like it did back in March. Um, awesome, Greg, Cynthia. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful podcast. Uh, Cynthia, I didn't want to leave you out of that last part of the conversation. Had anything come up that you were thinking about that you wanted to drop in? You heard from the expert on that topic. So I think I think Greg did give you all the information that you need. Awesome. Okay. Everybody's all in then. Uh, thank you guys so much. And to look forward to our next chat. All right. Mike, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.